Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just asked which one thinks you're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferentz? Ask a scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes it's Spanish. Black Heart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Black Heart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Black Heart Gold Podcast, episode 90. It's a landmark uh, of sorts in that it ends in an O. Uh, Pat Vent uh, here following Northern Iowa Week. We took a week off last week because there aren't any actual Northern Iowa blogs. Um, there aren't any real uh, Central Michigan blogs, but there is Hustle Belt, which covers all of the MAC, including the Central Michigan Chippewas. And joining us tonight from Hustle Belt, Ron Belaskovich. I hope I said that right. Yep. Belaskovich. Yep. Um, Ron is the, the CMU writer for Hustle Belt, the SBN uh, 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 Mac blog, Maction at its finest. Ron, how you doing? Excellent. Glad to be here tonight. It's good to have you. Um, Ron contacted me at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We have him on by 7. That's not bad. That's pretty. That's pretty efficient use of uh, of our resources. The way that the Mac intends it. Technology at its finest, connecting people from everywhere. <laughs> so Central Michigan, one and one on the year. Um, obviously, had a little bit of trouble with uh, uh, Michigan State in Week One or uh, Week Two. Excuse me. Um, what we're able to dispatch with Southeast Missouri State in week one, a 38-27 barn burner. Um, for those of you who haven't watched uh, Central Michigan since the days of uh, Rust Belt Tebow, Tebow Dan LaFever, um, not quite the same uh, program at this point. Uh, certainly still run dependent, but a uh, uh, new coach, obviously new quarterback, new everything. Um, Ron, uh, obviously the starter this year, uh, Ryan Radcliffe, a senior, What's what's the book on Radcliffe? Time people bring up this team outside of Dan Anos, and I'll get into him later. But everything starts and ends with this team with Ryan Radcliffe, and to be honest, he is not very good, and it's just frustrating <laughs> to watch him. This being his third season as a starter, week in week out, make the same mistakes time after time. He, the biggest flaw that he has is. He turns the ball over way too much, and he doesn't recover from it. He's terribly inconsistent, not just from game to game. It's drive to drive. For instance, he started off the MSU game uh, two weeks back throwing everything over our receivers' heads, missing wide-open receivers, and it led to an interception early on. But then he led a few drives before they stalled out where we would get five or six first downs in a row, and against the Michigan State defense, that was impressive, but then – as soon as we got into scoring territory, he couldn't hit anything. So it's it's he's very frustrating to watch. 
I noticed that that uh, boy, the interceptions. Seventeen as a sophomore, sixteen last season as a junior. Already thrown three in two games uh, as a senior. Completion percentage isn't great. Uh, is, is it a question of him regressing? Is it that the offense isn't really built for what he's doing? What what's the what's the cause of this uh, this issue? I honestly, I just I think it's his accuracy. He's not a very accurate passer, and people ask, you know, are always looking for the next Dan LeFevre, and that'll never happen again up here. And people are always, the problem with Radcliffe is he has one speed, and he throws a fastball every single time. So he has zero touch on his passes, and I had actually had a chance to watch the replay of the Michigan State game today in my free time, and the biggest thing that I noticed is he locks on to our receivers. When he is dead set on throwing it to someone, he will lock on, and that contributed to the second interception that he threw against Michigan State. The corner just watched his eyes and sagged back into coverage and absolutely jumped the route. And so it's just he doesn't have great awareness. He does not see the rush coming, or he does not see zone coverage sinking. It's There's a whole bunch of issues. <laughs> That's if you're having a hard time reading defenses and you're not particularly accurate and your awareness is very good, it could be a, a long year. Um, uh, fortunately, they do have a pretty decent halfback, the exquisitely named Zerlon Tipton. Yep. Uh, great number so far this year, 28 rushes for 242 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, it's, it, there's a second back that, that has about half that that production is there a rotation or is it Tipton's the first guy in and Garland the the backup is just getting time in uh in blowouts or or is there an actual rotation? I would say that um, Tipton probably gets about seventy to seventy five percent of the carries and when he needs a blow they will bring in Garland but the thing that works so well with those two is they're pretty much interchangeable they're both big strong backs that run well between the tackles they don't have burning speed but I believe off the top of my head Tipton goes about Six one, six two, two fifteen, two twenty. So he's a big guy, and he's tough to bring down. And his numbers took a bit of a hit last week because we were down and had to throw the ball. So, but even against Michigan State's defense, I think he had eleven carries for sixty six yards. So he's tough to bring down, and he if arm tackles are not going to stop him. And then if it gets past Anthony Garland, we've had a white running backs. I think Sailor Lavalle is his name, who's gotten. Um, a few carries this year, kind of the scraps of the heap. And he's got actually, I would say he's probably the fastest of those three backs. That's also an excellent name, Sailor Lavalli. Is uh, is Radcliffe a runner at all, or is he a, a pure pocket passer? He is a pure pocket passer. And I think that's another thing that frustrates people when comparing him to Lefevre is because when Lefevre didn't have people open it would and it would break down, he could run and make things happen where – as with Radcliffe, he's not going to run. He's going to throw the ball at someone's feet or throw it out of bounds, hopefully, rather than try and force something. But he is going to stand up straight. He's a big guy. He's, you know, your prototypical pocket passer. He's not going to wow you with the speed. He's got a big arm, but he just doesn't know where it's going all the time. He does seem to spread the ball around pretty well. Um, I'm looking right now. We've got two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven different receivers who have caught passes this season already. Um, led by Titus Davis. What's the story on, on Mr. Davis? Titus Davis, he stood out a lot last year during his true freshman season because the Chippewas at wide receiver, we were ravaged by injuries. And so that forced a lot of freshmen to step up, including Courtney Williams because and our 
main target that he um, went to a lot against Michigan State, Cody Wilson, I consider him to be like the poor man's Wes Welker. He's not big. He's not fast. He doesn't do anything well, but he, he somehow is open on every play. But to get back to your question about Titus Davis, he's one of the few burners on this team we have, and he can he can beat people deep. And I think our only deep completion was to him against Michigan State that went for a number of yards. And I believe his stats last year, he only caught 40 passes, but I think eight of them were for touchdowns, and he averaged close to 18 yards a catch. So he gets the ball downfield for us. Uh, the one good thing that, that Central Michigan clearly has is a lot of experience up front. Um, Dan Enos, uh, former Michigan State guy as head coach, is this a, a pro-style attack, or, or is it closer to a spread? What's the What's the general concept? Generally, there's always going to we're mainly going to line up under center, and they run a lot of stuff out of the eye formation, and everything that's run is going to be up between the tackles because honestly, we have a huge offensive line. I think we only gave up one sack against Michigan State in that front seven, and I the, during our first game against Southeast Missouri State, the um, announcers for that broadcast even joked that the scale in the weight room must only go up to 305 because I think the four <laughs> returning starters on the team are all 6'3 plus 305 plus, including a couple guys who are 6'7, 6'8, and then 305 plus, obviously. And that is hands down the biggest strength of this team is our massive offensive line. And we might not even see a line that big the rest of the year. Uh, looking at it, four seniors all in play, 6'8", 300, 6'8", 305, 6'3", 305, 6'5", 300. Uh, yeah, they're, they're huge across the front. Um, have those guys been starters for, for multiple seasons? Um, four, four of them have, and I wish I still had the newspaper article that talked about it, but four of the guys I think have combined for over 50 starts together, and they're, and you've, Seen it so far this year with our games, because that has been hands down. In the opening game against Southeast Missouri, I know it was against a 1AA team and not a good one at that, but our running backs could have walked for five yards on every carry. And even against Michigan State, like I say, to give up only one sack and for Tipton to still average six yards a carry against them, that just speaks volumes about how well they've played so far this year. And it kind of plays to a one thing I noticed while looking at this team is that Man, there's a lot of a lot of seniors that are that are playing here. So I mean, I, I'm surprised at the the struggles they're having simply because of the experience in the lineup. I mean, even defensive line, a uh, couple seniors at defensive end, uh, a couple seniors that are available at tackle, even if they aren't necessarily the starters. Um, is it is it a question of just not enough talent beneath those guys, or are they um, are they seniors that have kind of inherited the positions because there's nothing else left to take the spots? What what's why is that experience not uh, uh, translating into more wins? Well, I think a lot of our seniors in the past, and I think the majority of them this year are on defense, and that's definitely the lesser of our two sides of the ball. Our seniors on the offensive line have been excellent, but I don't think it's so much a problem that the seniors aren't playing well or anything like that. It, the biggest factor why I don't think this team has as many wins as they should have over the past two years has been, honestly, I think it falls on the shoulders of Dan Enos. When we've been up in a lot of games, I think we had leads last year at halftime against um, Kentucky and North Carolina State. And for whatever reason, this team in the second half last year just absolutely collapsed in games and couldn't close out games. It was almost like Enos' play calling would 
be to not lose the game rather than try and put teams away and win. And so, and I think that falls directly on his shoulders because there's a lot of talent on this team. We had a upset victory of Northern Illinois last year, who was a pretty good team in its own right. And sure. if we can knock them off, then there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to go three and nine year after year. Let's talk a little about ANS at this point. Uh, three and nine, uh, in 2010, three and nine in 2011, one and one so far this year, but the, I don't think that necessarily the, the, the prognostication calls for, for a great year. Um, he got re-signed to a one-year deal to get him through to this season. Uh, is the time up for him if they don't, they don't turn it around here? And if, if so, what's the, what's the number that keeps him on? I don't know. They're, it's really tough to say if they don't do well this year if this is the last stand for him because he was he was signed to an extension, I believe, during this off season that puts him through, I think, 2014 or 2015, and a lot of people were questioning that because a coach who has done nothing to prove himself yet just got this big extension. I don't think he gets fired this year, but I think he he definitely has to show signs of improvement. I think unless he gets to five wins this year, because there are still a lot of young guys on this team. And it's this is his third year, so it's mainly his guys. But I really think unless he gets to five wins this year, the dial is going to get turned up on him quite a bit. And I know the students up here and a lot of the fans are really unhappy about the hire and were at the time. And with each loss, the cries just become louder and louder. And the Michigan State blog was asking me about him because, you know, obviously he was a Michigan State guy. And the answer I told him is he's done all the right things. He's said everything that you need to. The players really seem to like him. And he's gotten rave reviews of his recruiting of the state of Michigan up near the top uh, of the MAC each year that he's been here. It just hasn't translated into wins. And I think that falls on the play calling system that he has switching over to a pro style offense, because to be honest, we don't have the athletes and we don't get the athletes that schools in the big 10 do to be able to compete with them in smash mouth football games. We had to have gimmicks like we did when Lefevre was quarterback to spread the ball around and do some weird option runs and stuff like that to space it out and try and offset that disadvantage. Well, looking at your schedule, if, you, if five wins is the target, it's certainly there for the taking. Uh, you know, Akron, Eastern Michigan, Miami, Ohio, Massachusetts, all there in late October or November, uh, all seem like teams that, that, uh, could certainly be, be taken. The, the Mac is kind of interesting to me because there, it is very up and down. I mean, you, you get ebbs and flows with every team. Um, but this year there are, there are some certain, uh, uh, soft underbelly teams that might be there for, for the beating. Yeah, and I think my roommate and I have looked over the schedule, and basically we kind of conceded the first five weeks. We were like, all right, we're going to get our win against Southeast Missouri State. But then, to be honest, we don't expect to beat Michigan State. We don't expect to beat Iowa. and even. But I think heading into the MAC schedule after this weekend, there's kind of been a renewed hope because Northern Iowa or Northern Illinois and um, Toledo aren't quite as good as they were last year, but we're, I'm penciling those in as losses because those are probably the two t- top teams in the MAC West, and we play them both on the road. But after that, our remaining seven games we looked at, and they're basically all toss-ups where we honestly could sweep all those, all seven of those games, and I wouldn't be surprised. But 
we could lose all seven of them, and I wouldn't be surprised either. <laughs> it's how this team responds coming out of this tough stretch, because honestly they're probably going to lose four straight before heading into the easy part of their schedule. What What's on defense, what's the strength, what's the weakness here? What What is this team built to stop, and, and where did Michigan State hit them hard? I'll start with our weakest point. Our weakest point is our secondary, which is kind of surprising considering our best player is in the secondary, and I'll get to him, but honestly, we did a pretty good job of shutting down the run against Michigan State. I think they only had one run where they broke contain and maybe had 40, 50 yards on the carry, but I think Le'Veon Bell averaged maybe three and a half yards a carry against us, and to shut him down like that is pretty well. So, And we have a couple big defensive tackles who are over 300 pounds, so they do a pretty good job of clogging it. But, and it's really surprising that our secondary is so bad because we run basically a nickel the whole time, a 4-2-5. And our rover in that situation is our best player on defense, Jaleel Adai. And he plays up near the line of scrimmage a lot, basically because his, he does his best work when he's flying towards the ball, trying to hit someone and trying to blow someone up. He He's everywhere, and he will lead the team in tackles. He did last year and he tied for the MAC lead in interceptions last year, so he's kind of our do-everything on defense. Um, so so what you're telling me is that, that if I was going to get the passing game going, which I haven't been able to do for for three weeks now particularly well, this is the time to do yeah, it. Yeah, because if you watch Michigan State in the opening game against Boise State and then this Saturday against Notre Dame, their quarterback looked horrible. And against us, he lit us up for over 350 yards on like 20 of 31 passing. Yeah, so, if, if, if you're making Andrew Maxwell look good, yeah, you're you're having problems right now. <laughs> and the biggest thing with that is, like I say, we defend the run well, but we do not get after the quarterback well. The big number, and I've brought it up a number of times when people have asked what CMU needs to do, is we don't force turnovers and we don't force sacks. I think combined... Last year, we had 24 total um, turnovers and sacks. So defense just does, they don't make a lot of game-changing plays. And that they, they just, stay on the field they, a lot. It's kind of a bend-but-don't-break defense. And if the offense struggles to move the ball like they did last week against Michigan State, they're going to break more often than not. Sure. We know that feeling all too well as well. Um, what Gun to your head prediction here, what uh, – what do you think happens on Saturday? I think Iowa's probably going to be able to get the passing game going a little bit. I'll say they'll probably throw for between 250 and 300 yards. I think CMU's going to be able to run the ball pretty well. I think it'll be close for the majority of the game, but I honestly, I just think Iowa has too much talent for a Mac school like us to take them down. So if I was guessing off the top of my head, I'll say 30 to 20 Iowa takes it. Ooh. It's tighter than the experts think. Ron, you're very you're very optimistic. Our, the biggest thing for me is if Rad, Ryan Radcliffe shows up, we'll be in the game. I honestly feel like, and after watching us do it against Michigan State, I feel like we're going to be able to run the ball on pretty much anyone all season long. It's just a matter of we're going to go as far as Ryan Radcliffe takes us, and thus far he's not done anything to instill confidence in people, and we're still waiting for that breakout from him where he shows us that he can be that guy who's going to carry us in the fourth quarter and make a comeback win. But I just don't think he'll make enough plays on Saturday for that to happen. All right. Well, you heard it here first, 30 to 20, call your bookies. 
Um, Ron Velaskovitz from, from Hustle Belt, thanks for being here. We appreciate it, and uh, we wish you the absolute worst of luck for the next uh, <laughs> the rest of this week. All right, thanks, and same to you guys. Glad I could help.